Welcome, everybody, to our brand new podcast with the Piedmont Opera. It is called In Harmony with the Piedmont Opera. My name is Adam Witten, and for our very first episode, we are excited to welcome Scott McLeod to the show. Scott is an associate professor of music at High Point University, where he provides individual voice training. He teaches opera, musical theater techniques. He's the music director for the High Point Opera and Musical Theater Productions. And in 2021, he received the High Point University Innovation and Creativity in Teaching Award. Did I get that all correct? It's all correct. <laughs> and clearly, if you when you listen to his voice, and as someone that, that does a lot of work in the podcast space, I have an appreciation for people that just have that voice, that voice that you just can't teach that comes through the microphone so pure. And Scott clearly knows what he's doing and is perfect for this line of work because you've just got one of those voices, man. I, I love it. Let, let's I appreciate it. Yeah. So um, today we're here to talk about a, a variety of topics. We're going to talk a little bit more about Scott, his work in the community, uh, his work in opera, why he loves it, and the Piedmont Opera's upcoming production. We're recording this before it opens, but it's going to be coming up here very soon in October. La Traviata is going to be coming to the Piedmont Opera. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit more. So, Scott, let, let's begin with just your history and where you developed your love for the art form of opera. Yeah. Uh, originally from Michigan, uh, schooling at Northwestern University, Florida State, and UNC Greensboro. Um, I've been do at this for over 20 years. Um, I've been in musical theater productions, pops productions, opera productions, and uh, just like to keep a full and diverse plate. So you've had a career as a singer, you've been in classical music, you've been in musical theater genres. Uh, tell us a little bit, or as much as you can, about your background as a professional in, in, in singing. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm chorus master for North Carolina Opera. I've been in that position since 2013, so that gives me um, a regular uh, exposure to the art form and to the company in a, in a different capacity than just performing. I perform fairly regularly with the North Carolina Symphony. They've been very good to me. Um, Greensboro Opera. Piedmont Opera's been great to me. I've been in five or six productions now with Piedmont Opera. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm always looking for something new. I'm always looking for something different. I'm always looking to find a way to innovate the art form and um, and move it forward. And how are you involved with La Traviata? So I play Baron Dufol. Uh, the Baron is the uh, financier, I guess, of the courtesan Violetta. Mm -hmm. uh, she's not in love with him, but she is dependent on him. Um, he represents the sort of the perennial question, right? If you have to choose love or money, which one would you choose? He is the money part of that. Alfredo is the love part of it. And there's there's that tension throughout. Okay. You, you've been involved in productions nationally, internationally. I'm curious to know, what are some of the highlights of the places, the locations that you have performed? Sure. I'm, first of all, I've got a really, um, I feel very fortunate to have the career that I do in North Carolina. 
Uh, we've lived here since 2006. Um, this is a state that's rich with opportunities, and uh, it's a state that's been really generous to me. Most of my career now is in North Carolina. Um, I'm a full-time professor at High Point University, mm -hmm. so uh, it's nice to be able to do these productions and still keep my job. These are, these are all good things. Um, I've had some really interesting experiences abroad. I toured with uh, the National Symphony of Costa Rica three times in, in their Messiah. That was um, about 10, 12 years ago. Uh, I taught for two summers in China and staged the first opera at Xiaoguan University. That mm. was L'Orfeo. That was a fascinating, fascinating couple of summers. Um, I have uh, taught in the Czech Republic and performed in the Czech Republic. I really love the Czech Republic, um, Austria, Germany. Um, so, you know, some, some really cool, interesting yeah. opportunities to travel and, and uh be in new environments and, and see how those new environments take to the art form. Do you speak multiple languages? I can get by. I can find my, <laughs> my, my way to the local Wiener Schnitzel restaurant and, <laughs> and make sure that I get a hot meal in front of me, yeah. Okay. How often, or, or give me a sense of what it's like practicing to hone this craft, to, to be at the point where you can do this type of, it's, it's not easy. You have to have a, a very impressive voice to do so. And imagine you have to work at it constantly. Can you, can you give us some sort of sense of how often you have to work and practice at this? Yeah. So I think the goal is consistency. I think that that is the goal for all of us. I think that's the challenge for all of us. All of us have, uh, peaks and valleys. Um, we get sick just like anybody else. Um, I had my second bout of COVID a month ago, mm. and uh, I finally feel recovered from that. But, um, you know, we need to keep ourselves as, as consistent as possible. We need to stay healthy. Uh, we need to avoid any kinds of situations that are unnecessary strains on our voices. Sometimes that means sacrifices, you know. Sometimes that means not going out on a Friday evening. Mm -hmm. Um, or perhaps traveling uh, unnecessarily or extensively. Um, and then just uh, continuing to stay sharp and stay fresh. I think that teaching is actually very helpful to me because when I'm teaching my students, I'm also able to analyze my own singing. Um, I, I learn from my students. I learn from, uh, from new disciplines in teaching. Um, so, yeah, I, I think just making sure that, that we find our way into the practice room regularly um, and that we're always just trying to maintain optimal health. Yeah. So when you are teaching, and let's say, and I'm sure you've come across this before, but let's say you're teaching a group that has little to no experience with the art form. How are you developing or, or what are you telling them? What are you showing them? What are you teaching them that illustrates the finer points of this that can potentially develop a love for opera? Yeah, so there's, I mean, that's a huge question. Um, when I'm teaching, most of it is, is technical. I'm trying to get them to understand their own anatomy, posture, breathing, um, just the, the, the fundamentals of, of good singing. And, mm -hmm. and for some, that is, it's a, a very easy thing. For some, that's a new and challenging thing. Um, for developing a love of the craft, uh, I think part of it is trying to understand the individual. 
different people have different tastes. That's totally acceptable. My tastes are not necessarily my students' taste, and, and that's fine. So I want to, to meet the individual the best I can um, and also introduce them to some new things that perhaps they've never experienced. That's what I hope that people will, will do if they come to La Traviata and they've never been to an opera before. Try something new, experience something that you've never experienced, and, um, you know, take away from it what you will. What did you take away from it, your very first experience with opera? So I think that my first experience with a live opera was La Traviata. Was it really? Okay. I think so. This was back in 1995. Uh, New York City Opera was doing tours at the time, and they came to my home in Michigan. Um, and so, you know, that's pretty neat. I've had several experiences with uh, La Traviata since. I was an apprentice artist at Central City Opera in 2000, so I was in the chorus then. That was my first performing uh, experience with Traviata. I've played this role three different times. I played this uh, with Opera Omaha. That was one of my earlier roles. Um, I've performed this with the uh, Greensboro Opera and um, in Virginia, the uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Uh, it's uh, in Lynchburg. It'll come to me later. That's but, fine. But it's a lovely, lovely opera company up there. It's been a few years. <laughs> sure. Opera on the James. That's the name of the There you company. go. Yeah. Okay. Tell us, since you mentioned that it's it's the interesting parallel of, of the particular performance that we're discussing, La Traviata, and, and that being your first real experience with it live, what's your favorite part of the story of the performance? Uh, the music's great. It's beautiful. Um, there is a place in the middle of the opera in Act Two, and I'll, I'll, I'll take you to this. It's a place that, that pulls on me every time I'm in a production. Um, I neglected to mention I was also chorus master for this uh, about five years ago um, with North Carolina Opera. But... Uh, Verdi's writing, there, there are little tricks that he uses. Mm -hmm. um, I'll get into some, some details here sure. if it's all right. Yeah. Um, we, have, we have as much time as we need here. <laughs> super, super. I'll try to, to keep it straightforward and not get too esoteric. Um, but when Violetta is ready to leave Alfredo, uh, she is, is going per, uh, permanently, uh, so she thinks uh, Alfredo's father has come in, said that she as a courtesan is going to sully the family name. Um, so she agrees to, to go away and leave them in peace. Alfredo doesn't know that she's going to leave. He thinks that she's just going into the garden. So she says goodbye to him, but he doesn't know that she's really saying goodbye mm. to him. Um, and she sings, Amami, Alfredo. Amami, quanto t'amo. Love me, Alfredo. Love me as much as I love you. Addio. Goodbye. Um, and Verdi's got this very, very special thing that he does. She sings, Amami, Alfredo. Amami, quest quanto tamo. And then he comes in with the winds doubling everything that she's singing. And just this moment of power and beauty. Amami Alfredo, quanto t'amo, quanto t'amo, addio. All 
of the notes that she sings on the downbeats are against the chord tone. So there's this beautiful tension. There's this uh, beautiful desperation that we hear. It's foreshadowing everything that, that is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Alfredo doesn't know it at the time, but it's a special moment. And every production that I've ever been in, it doesn't matter what I'm doing in my dressing room. Um, if I'm playing cards, if I'm having a conversation, if I'm uh, putting on a new outfit, I stop and that moment just kills me. Mm. just slays me. And I look forward to that in, in this production too. I, I wish we could have just 45 minutes of you just performing. That was, that was fantastic. You'll, that, you'll, what... you'll get two hours of it if you come on Friday. <laughs> yeah, very good. Okay, so it, it sounds like a, like a remarkable opportunity, a remarkable production, and clearly you have, you have a passion for it. What will people, if people go and see this for the very first time, knowing nothing about the story, what do you think what, some of the emotions, what, what are they going to say as they're walking out of the venue and they're talking to people that they went to the performance with? What do you think they're going to be talking about if this is their very first experience? Hopefully there will be a bit of relatability. Okay. Um, you know, as I was saying earlier, it's a, a fairly straightforward uh, question that Violette is trying to answer. Does she sacrifice love or does she sacrifice money? Hmm. Um, Papa Germont, Alfredo's father, uh, does he find a way of being progressive and inclusive um, and trying to forgive her for what he sees as a sort of uh, aberrant behavior? Um, we do fall in love with Violetta. I think that you'll fall in love with this real performer, Yulia. Mm-hmm. She's really special. If you have not encountered her yet, um, I, I think that she's going to be one that we're going to remember for a long time. Uh, she's a fantastic singer. She's a lovely actress. She's also just as nice as can be in rehearsals. She's funny. Um, the gentleman who's playing Alfredo, Orson Van Gay, uh, is also equally fantastic. He is an expressive singer. He's a, 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 also a great actor. They've got excellent chemistry on stage. Um, Robert Overman, he is uh, one of our local favorites. He has had a huge career in, in uh, Europe uh, and here in the, in the United States. Um, he is uh, just an old expert uh, in this art form and has really sort of adopted the, the traditional Italian style. So if you want to see um, somebody singing in, in the, the Golden Age style, he is, is a real... Mm. Um, great representative of that. Uh, the three of them are fantastic on stage. Those are our, our principles. And, and I hope that people can actually, um, you know, genuinely relate to these people who are singing in a different language, but are, are telling stories that are, um, you know, consistent and true for all of us. Yeah. You know, when, when you speak of relatability, one of the things that we want to try to accomplish with this podcast is introduce this this art form to people and speak about the benefits, the enrichment of it, and and how certain things can be relatable. And and so, I'd love to know from you how how singing, and particularly in this art form, has enriched your life, and and maybe also speak to how it could do the same for for others that have never experienced it before. Sure. Yeah. Um. 
I engage in the performing arts because I think that there is a an opportunity, a very narrow, rare opportunity to genuinely peer into the human soul, hmm. to really um, understand ourselves, understand our relationships, understand our history, um, understand our DNA. And I don't know of a better way of doing that. I think that we all share that desire. I think that we don't know how to do it. I think music sometimes expresses this ineffable, um, just this this human quality um, that that nothing else can. Uh, that's exciting for me. Uh, I, I think it's a, a rare experience for any of us to to have that that level of genuine connection that that takes us above our um, our little terrestrial existence here. But every once in a while, experience it. You know, it's like the um, uh, a golfer trying to hit the hole in one. You you, you won't hit the hole in one very often. <laughs> Sometimes you'll get it close, but every once in a while that that ball will go into the hole, and it's such an exciting thing, mm -hmm. you know. So so that's that's the reason that I chose art uh, as a profession, as a living. I feel very fortunate to have had some success and to be able to to make my livelihood from it. Um, but I I hope that that. Everyone who has an interest in, in coming and seeing this performance uh, shares that desire, shares that desire to, to be connected through the performing arts, to try to feel something that maybe they, they don't feel on a, on a regular, everyday basis. Um, and, you know, continue that journey as well. I think that, that it, it's, a, it's a lifelong quest for us. I don't think that one performance is going to, to scratch that itch entirely. Mm. But hopefully you'll at least get a little bit of perspective, a little bit of insight into um, what we can do to, to enhance this, this human existence, this, this short human existence that we have. That's a great answer. That is a great answer. So what are some of the greatest challenges that you feel the art form faces right now? I think we put ourselves into a box. I think that we um, sometimes look at uh, opera as an art form with a small A rather than a capital A. I think that... What do you mean uh, by that? I mean, I think that we don't look beyond the boundaries of, of just the, the base definition mm -hmm. of opera. Um, I think that opera can be a lot more than tradition. I think that we celebrate tradition. Certainly Traviata is, is a celebrated uh, traditional opera. Um, but I think that there are new adventures that we can take. Um, I think that uh, seeing things and trying things for the first time can be scary and, and sometimes, frankly, unsuccessful. Um, but I think if we don't continue to do that, that we are seeing our opportunity to continue to revitalize this art form, we're seeing it slip away. Mm. Something that Piedmont Opera does very well is they are mixing in musical theater pretty regularly into their, their seasons. Um, I think that that's reaching new audiences. I think it's speaking to an innately American art form. Uh, I think it's increasing a level of accessibility. You know, musicals are are. are popular uh, to a wider audience. Uh, they're certainly in, in English. And I think that that gives people the opportunity to see classically trained singers 
uh, performing at the highest levels, um, and maybe provoking a little bit of interest uh, into uh, seeing operas that are, are 150, 200 years old, um, and trying to understand that art form as well. Besides bringing in musical theater, like you mentioned, are there other ways you think that the the, the art form as a whole, not just here locally, can can overcome some of the challenges that you mentioned? I think finding new explored environments is interesting. Mm -hmm. um, this past March, I did something that was uh, ambitious uh, and definitely scary, um, exciting. Um, I helped to commission and produce the first ever opera that was performed uh, in a planetarium, or at least conceived to be plan uh, performed in a planetarium. Other operas have been performed in a planetarium, but this actually was an opera about space. It was about uh, four women um, figures in astronomy, uh, Ada Lovelace, um, Annie Jump Cannon, uh, a character that was patterned after Mae Jemison um, and, and Catherine Johnson uh, from the, uh, you might know her from the famous movie uh, Hidden Figures. Um, and it was this delightful little intersection of, of their lives. They didn't really live uh, in the same time periods, but it sort of explored the idea of what if they did and what if they interacted. It was clever. We had all these graphics all over the planetarium. We worked with our lead astronomer, who was um, also a real music aficionado uh, and fan. And, um, and it was really exciting. We brought in some world-class talent from all over the United States. Uh, I think we did something really special. And, um, you know, embarking on something like that, there is no guarantee of success. Uh, there's no guarantee that people are going to be interested in attending. There's no guarantee that they will be interested in what they saw if they even did attend. Um, we had, I think, a resounding success in this. Uh, we had people that were coming uh, away, people who know what they're talking about, who were um, saying that this is one of the most interesting creative things that they've seen in, in years, uh, in, in decades even. And so, you know, I feel really, really proud to have been um, involved in that endeavor. But for every endeavor that we take uh, that has some level of success, you know, there's hundreds that don't, mm -hmm. that are not interesting to people, that... Um, are not received with, with great uh, critical reception. Um, but I think we need to continue to take the chance. Yeah. I, I also, one of the things that the Piedmont, Piedmont Opera does very, very creatively is they um, take opera into other, uh, other areas. They, they will take it into, you know, the idea of pairing opera and wine or food or something like that, that can tickle another, another sense, you know, that's, that's fun. And we need to be doing more, more stuff like that. Yeah. So whether it's that or some of the things you can do in a planetarium with an opera that, that is about uh, space is maybe, maybe this isn't the right word, but it sounds like some maybe another evolution of it is to provide additional stimuli for, for people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that that's a, a great opportunity that we have right now. Um, I think that we can think about this art form three-dimensionally. And when I say three-dimensionally, I don't mean even from visual perspective. I mean um, trying to uh, 
to to yeah tickle different different senses mm-hmm. i've got this dream that that one day and it's not you know like this has never happened in in a theatrical art form before that actually we could be watching something in 3d perhaps we have some kind of graphic realization we have 3d glasses are on I, I imagine someone's already done something like that you know i'd love to pump a scent into a room and uh you know, during the champagne aria, the the uh, brindisi of Traviata, maybe we smell um, the the cologne and perfume and 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 champagne and wine, and just sort of tickle all of those senses. Yeah. You know, these are these are fun things that you know. I don't know if they'd be successful, but why not explore? And and just, you know, that's just one idea. But we've got so many opportunities and so many creative people who are doing creative things. I hope that we can continue to to support people that want to push the boundaries. Yeah. And and so maybe with a lot of that, we we've already tackled this question, but I'm curious to get your thoughts on how you get a younger audience to connect with what is, I guess, stereotypically known as an older art form. I think the first is engagement um, and giving them gentle introductions. I definitely would not take a nine-year-old and um, bring them to Tannhäuser, Wagner's Tannhäuser, and say, all right, kid, have fun. Um, You know, going into schools is great. Uh, Piedmont Opera has a lovely student night where our artistic director and conductor, Jamie Albritton, uh, talks to the students, helps them to understand what they're going to see, uh, engages them, uh, gives them an opportunity to learn things like saying bravo after uh, an aria or something that, that excites them, gives them an opportunity to have some level of interaction with the opera. Uh, so I think the question is, how do you eat an elephant and it's it's one bite at a time right yeah so you know if if it's a younger audience certainly there's there's phones and computers and different things like that what what are some ways for for people to and certainly we always recommend visiting what the piedmont opera has to offer with their website and their social channels but are there any online resources that that people that just want to see what it's about before going to a live performance can just learn about it and see just how magnificent it can be. Yeah, I mean, they're endless. Yeah, I think that you you tap anything into Google and you'll be overwhelmed <laughs> yeah, <sure. laughs> at what will come up. And I'll speak to technology too. There's some really neat things that are happening with um, as technology advances. We're able to, to implement a lot of those things into opera. Uh, certainly we have uh, digital backgrounds sometimes that are happening. It's not happening in Traviata. We have uh, mm-hmm. uh, live sets and costumes. Um, I just went to Mean Girls at the, the Tanger Center. All digital backgrounds. Super cool. Uh, so a lot of people are using that technology. By the way, speaking of technology, if you're intimidated by uh, watching an opera in Italian, we have super titles. You will not be confused uh, at any point in the opera. You'll be able to follow along with an English translation the whole time. Um, but people are doing really interesting things with with technology, uh, even to the point of there have been operas in the last few years where people will actually be invited to go onto their cell phones, um, vote on an ending, vote for a character that they want to be successful or even kill off or, or, or something. Wow. Um, 
there are some really neat, adventurous things that we can be doing with technology. Also, we can be putting things on a planetarium. So, uh, so it's it's fun to see that kind of um, that technology evolve as well. All right, we'll, we'll close on something a little more, a little bit uh, lighter. Opera is known as food for the soul. So, Scott, what is your favorite food? Well, let me give you an obtuse answer to a very simple question. <laughs> I hope that my favorite food is something I haven't discovered yet. Uh, I love the culinary art form. I do see it as an art form. Uh, I think that people are always uh, both experimenting with it and also uh, using great tradition. Um, when I was in China, I was definitely introduced to to plates that were incredibly unusual, uh, stuff that I, I had never um, even remotely been exposed to. Um, and you know, we don't like everything that we taste when we when we taste something new, but sometimes it's the best thing that we've ever put in our mouth. And I hope that people will bring that same mindset to exploring the arts, to exploring opera, and maybe finding your favorite aural and visual food. That is the best answer I've ever received to that question. And I've asked that question in a lot of different ways to a lot of different people. And I love that answer because basically what you're saying is if you've already experienced your favorite food, Where's the excitement in trying new things? Totally. I mean, you know, you might like pizza, you might like steak, but if you had to eat it every day, it would get really old. Yes, correct. Is there anything else you'd like to share about this particular performance or the art form as a whole? I think it's going to be really good. Uh, perform uh, Rehearsals have been really exciting. We've got um, a wizard conductor. Uh, people who are um, familiar with Piedmont Opera uh, know Jamie Albritton and know how talent he, talented he is, how interesting he is, uh, how engaging he is. Steve Lacoste is a fantastic director, and our three principals are um, they're top of the line. I mean, you know, you don't necessarily expect to go to an opera in Winston-Salem and see something that uh, would rival opera companies that have uh, a greater national exposure. Um, but I would put this opera up against any uh, production at a mm. much, much bigger opera house. Scott McLeod, thank you so much. We can't wait to see the performance starting on October 21st. We appreciate you stopping by the In Harmony with Piedmont Opera podcast. Thank you. This was fun. Okay, the performance of La Traviata with the Piedmont Opera begins on October 21st. So if you're listening to this prior to that date, please visit piedmontopera.org, piedmontopera.org to get your tickets now. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe to our podcast wherever you enjoy your podcast in harmony with Piedmont Opera.